The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the More You Noble Sports Podcast. Today is August 7th, 2022, and we got a big fucking show. Yeah, a big one. I mean, Caleb, once again, <laughs> bringing the heat right off the bat. I mean, I don't okay. know how, hey, hey, it, I don't know how we could expect any more than, I have yep, some, a big one. I have something, okay. Outside of like late September, you know, playoff clinching weeks in a regular season. This week for the Cardinals was the biggest, most exciting week of Cardinal baseball in the regular season I've seen since 2011, maybe. All right. All right. All right. I like it. I'm on board eight. Seven in a row. Six and oh since the uh, trade deadline. Um, who needs Juan Soto? Who needs Frankie Montas? Who needs Luis Castillo? I, I'm dead. I don't know. Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Who needs Josh Bell? Who needs all the other guys the Padres got? This team is soaring. And not only that, but today joining us, Mr. Cleveland himself, not Drew Carey, not LeBron, even though we did reach out to LeBron and uh, his people said they'd be in contact, we'd get to here. But we do have a man who, even when the Cuyahoga is on fire, this man is in his kayak, paddling his ass right through it in support of all of those teams. Mr. D. Pagel. Nice to have you back, buddy. Hey, it's good to be back finally. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is what happens when you have kids. Right, right. All the fun, all the fun of your life is taken away. <laughs> well, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're, as you sit right next to your son. Well, I mean, he is here, but right. I mean, it's not like well, I haven't said worse to him. <laughs> he, he's getting ready to go back soon, huh? Do what? Getting ready to go back soon? Yeah, when do you leave? He leaves. Uh, we take Hannah to New Orleans next week, and then Caleb back to U of I the next week. And yeah, then hey, here we go. I mean, I remember the show when he first got back for the summer. It was like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost it feels way longer than that. You're lying. <laughs> hey, all right. For, so first of all, I know that you view the Cardinals. From a thirty-five thousand feet lens, right? Not a support, yeah. not necessarily a big fan, an outsider per se, right? Here in the three one four in Cardinal Nation and whatever, right? Absolutely. But I mean, right now, dude, this team's on a fucking heater, and I can't be any more excited. Nolan said, "There's nothing more exciting than when I'm paraphrasing, but when you get guys coming through that door that are here to help you in a stretch rate in the, in the stretch run." And the Cardinals brought in two guys, three guys, Chris Stratton as well, who wasn't great today, but he did his job. He got his house. Yeah, he got his house. Um, Monty, who was incredible. Then you obviously had Quintana the other night, who was incredible. You get those guys in there, and it just breathes a new life. And this team looks completely different. Yeah, I mean, before you guys went on your Juan Soto kick, um, you know, before you even knew that he was available, you know, all of your podcasts and tweets and everything – pretty much from June to early July, we're all about pitching and relief pitching. And why is it so hard to get guys that can come in and get outs consistently? And you could, you know, hear the frustration, your voices. And it sounds like you got three quality ones. So, yeah, I mean, I, it just, it just changes the entire. And, and when you're battling a team who said piss off to the best generational reliever 
I mean, no offense to Raleigh Fingers or Bruce Suter, but to the, the best generational reliever the Brewers have maybe ever had. I mean, have you ever, as a baseball fan, and I know Caleb and I talked about this a little bit last time, but as for ourselves, have you ever, as a baseball fan, seen a team sitting in first place with the most dominant guy at a position and trade him at the trade deadline? No. It, it was really odd, really weird. I mean, I don't know what their thought process is. I get Well, obviously, they think they can win without him because, you know, they, it wouldn't be as crazy as them, like, throwing the season away, in their opinion, right? I mean, they can't be thinking that. They, so, when they traded him, were they three games up on us? Yeah, three. And they're now two behind us. I mean, this is, you know, you're going to go for your 17-game winning streak again here. <laughs> hey, here we go. Let right. Go. And they've given up. And they've given up two um, multiple leads, and they've uh, lost on two walk-offs in situations he would have been in the game. So as far as I'm concerned, like David Stearns and the ownership group over there, it's it's ridiculous to do that to your team. You could just see Devin and um, Yelly came out, and they were deflated. And it's not – it's from a baseball standpoint, can you understand it? Yeah, you can. You can understand bringing three relievers, which they did. I can't understand um, DFA and Nelson Lamette. No. That was – incomprehensible in my mind. Yeah, you trade but, him and then you DFA him. But then, and it makes sense because you're moving forward. You're, they're not going to re-sign Josh Hader. But one, that's the problem. One, you have the money to re-sign Josh Hader. Um, American Family Field is packed every night. And two, you don't take into account, they're humans. It's not just, oh, play, um, it'll be the show. Take one guy out, put him in, and it should be fine. It's These guys just felt that you had, one, no faith in them. And two, you just felt like, oh, well, we're going to coast, maybe make the playoffs and see what happens. That's not a way to go I've, about it. I've never seen a dude get a promotion that's going to make him a lot of fucking money yeah. in the next couple of years. Be so dejected in how Devin was with his words. He wants to win. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you're going to lose. Bring his ass home. If you're going to lose Josh Hader in a year and a half, okay, fine. You probably should try and resign him. But if you lose him, then you lose him. But you still got two years with the most dominant closer in baseball, in my opinion. And like that could, for a playoff run, they're in their playoff window right now. Yelich isn't getting older. In fact, he's getting worse. He is getting older. We're all getting older. He's getting he's sorry. Seven. That's what I meant. He's not getting younger. He's getting. He's getting. Right now, you're getting, older. Stop. <laughs> he's getting worse, and um, like they already lost Lorenzo Cain, a guy they thought was going to be a big contributor. They tried to trade Narvaez and Wong. Wong, who's been horrible defensively this year, which is strange. Way better offensively than normal, but their team is getting older with a lot of castaways from other teams that knew they were getting older, and you trade a guy, and now what's their playoff window? Their farm system is complete other garbage. Yeah. They don't have anything down there. I don't know what they're trying to do. And, D, don't you think, like, if you're going to trade Josh Hader, which is fine, like, look, I and I understand the Nationals trading Soto. The Nationals trading Soto made way more sense, obviously, right? I mean, I still hate that, to be honest but, with but, you. But hold on. But if you're going to – if you're a franchise owner and you're going to trade Josh Hader, do it in the offseason. You're in a fucking playoff run. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is not just the loss of the talent. It's what Caleb was talking about, the dejection of everybody else still left. Um, Absolutely. You know, because just how you mentioned how exciting, there's nothing more exciting than getting fresh faces that you know your team has just went out and acquired to help you push you over that edge. I mean, the other side of the coin is the dejection when nothing happened. And the – the I guess the only guy, and I, I asked the question about Hater Cespedes, right? He was traded when they were on first place, 
um, from the Mets to the A's? Is that is no? He got traded from the A's to the Red Sox, from the Red Sox. Yeah, to the, he got traded from the Mets. Yeah, right, but that was like they were in first place when the trade was made. I, I believe. I think no, I think the first trade, whatever, whoever it was. I was just reading something about it the other day, but it's a it's an odd thing. But hey, here's the thing: the Cardinals all of a sudden are, are absolutely just rolling. Like you know, you, all year long we kept saying, and and we're guilty of this, but at the time, to be fair. What we said was true. They were a very average team. They were a high, much above average roster playing very average baseball. And that was just a fact. You did you had you had a long stretch where you didn't have more than a three game winning streak or a three game losing. Well, they streak. were held down by parts of their um, roster. Absolutely, it was a really really talented roster with parts of. And the most important part of your team, in my opinion, is starting pitching. If I'm going to look at who has a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs and has a chance to get there, is do you have guys that are five reliable guys? You go there and give you a chance to win every day. If you don't have that, you're not going to rattle off wins and because we you two. can't rely on it. We, we literally played a month and a half with two. And, yeah. You know, D, you, as, a, as a Guardians fan, we want to get to the Guardians fan a little bit because um, I, I really want to spend a little bit of time on the Cardinals before we get to that. But as a Guardians fan, you you have that. Like, you guys are tr- – like, you saw Tristan McKenzie go out and shove it right up the after his ass today. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's looked really good against really top competition. But I don't know. We can talk about it later. But I feel like the pitching has been a letdown this year. Yeah, I get it, but Quantrill was good this weekend. I mean, I, I, he hasn't been what I thought he would be. And Plesak is, I guess, maybe a little disappointed. But, man, Bieber and McKenzie, I think, have been pretty strong. They have. They have. I mean, McKenzie's long ball prone. Bieber seems to be a five-inning guy because the numbers just drop off a cliff when he faces a lineup three times. But Yeah. Yeah, but overall, yeah, those two guys, are they're horses, and they, they can win, and they've proven they can win when they're on. Um, really against anybody in the American League, so they got two good ones. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Plesak has been the biggest disappointment for me because when that guy came up, I thought he was electric. He had really good stuff. And all the peripherals, even, like, his stats haven't been great, but his peripheral numbers are horrible. Like, his barrel rate's yeah, through the his roof. Is pretty high his too. spin rate's gone down drastically over the last year. It just seems to me like he, oh, his stuff has taken a step back, and it's weird to me. Yeah, I was, I mean... I was in the camp back in May calling for a rotation change to put Morgan in instead. Um, Eli Morgan? Yes. Yeah. I'm confused on what they're doing with him a little bit. It's it's kind of strange. But, yeah. you, know, you know, and I know as we get analyzing baseball, there's all these other statistics that are way more telling of how a pitcher's doing. But, you know, just looking at the old bait, he's 2-10. I mean, that's just horrendous. <laughs> right. In the end of the day, like you got to win baseball games, right? Yeah, like you do, um, but you know, the, I, and the thing here, like Caleb said, it's so true. You know, obviously the Jack injury. You know, Hudson's a year removed from Tommy John. He was great last year in a relief role, and he's had his ups and downs. There's no doubt. Like if you look at his ERA plus, it's pretty good. One sixteen. That's that's above league average. Uh, it doesn't feel that. But way. but it does not feel that way. And the slow mo. But I, again, you're talking about a young guy coming back from Tommy John. I think unfortunately, a lot of weight was put on his shoulders. Um, He's a five number five. He, he, that's it. But he, all of a sudden, he was thrust into the number three role. Thank God for Miles. Wayno, rough day today, but that, who cares? It's Wayno. Like when you need him, like we've had the last couple times, he comes out. And they go and through he, four he, innings. He yeah, was right. impressive. Four and yeah, they came out in the Just fifth. Four, but, yeah. You know, but getting Paul, the Paulie Dion revenge tour, as you have dubbed it very well, Caleb, is is incredible to see. Another bomb today. I think his OPS, Huge. his OPS is around a thousand, a little over a thousand since returning from the. From, I mean, imagine being an all-star shortstop. You sign the extension. 
Then next thing you know, you find yourself in Memphis, honestly fighting for your career. Yeah. It's really impressive what he's done. And I'm so happy for him. I was, so I was, I was at the game on Friday, and he was in a little bit of a tough stretch. He had two games where he wasn't doing very well. And he just looked like he was maybe reverting back to the Paul DeYoung we had seen. A lot of swings and misses. High fastballs were eating him alive. And Clay Holmes is in, so I'm like, okay, he's out. Like, he's out. <laughs> I even turned over to my cousin and my sister and said, yeah, if he gets, I, I would bet my life that he strikes out here. And first pitch just out, just rips it down the line to give us the lead. And I, what he did today to me was just as impressive, if not more. You knew that the way that game was going, the Yankees were scoring in the ninth inning. It was, it was nine to eight. I know how impressive Ryan Helsley is. He's one of my favorite players in baseball. But you knew that they were going to find a way, Judge and LeMahieu coming up, to get a run across. And they hit a three-run bomb to just send him over the top. I, that, was, that was one of the cooler moments of the season to me. For home run number 100, that was awesome. You had to get a slider and not, and not to what he did the first half of the season, pop it up or roll over. But he stayed back just hit enough. Hit off a Big Mac land. And he is a strong motherfucker, man. Yeah, he can get, so, goes when he hits it. Yeah. Um, he has time to convert to the Cardinals' side. Yeah, I know. I was just sitting here in my own, you know, jackass way, smirking at you guys, listening to you now, because I've listened to all your podcasts, obviously, and I follow your tweets, and it's such an emotional roller coaster baseball is for as long as the season is. Um, you know, big-time fans like you guys, you literally – live and die, not on just every inning, but every pitch. And it just goes back to how powerful winning is with changing your outlook and belief in players and confidence in players and optim- optimism for the team. It's just, it's, it's so fun. It, it, is, it is fun, but it's really stupid if you think. Like, 162 games, you tell yourself one loss doesn't, like, make a season make, right? Right. Or break. Right. But next thing you know, it's like, this team's fucking terrible. This team's dead. That's more you than me. <laughs> Shut up. It is. I always say, hey, <laughs> Not Caleb, I've heard you get a little emotional. I sit oh, right no, next, I do. I sit next to this man all these games. Every If the if the guy doesn't strike him out or throw a strike, our pitcher, he, this guy, he's going to give up a hit. Home run's coming here. This day, he's awful. Well, so do not come at me that, with the that The thing shit. that I'm really bad about is if it's one and one and any count that we're pitching, and the next pitch is like a really non-competitive pitch, and it makes it two and one. I just get deflated for like five seconds. I'm yeah. Like, oh God, where is this going? This is bad. You just you wasted a pitch, and now damn goddamn Aaron Judge is standing there staring <laughs> at me through the TV. I know he's about to do something. Outside of the Aaron Judge comment, welcome to my twenty-year coaching. Career. I mean, it, it, look, you, I know how you said it's only it's not that stupid, right? It's only one game out of one hundred and sixty-two if you lose. But at the same time, that one game takes three hours. And when you think about an epic film, you know, a three-hour movie out there, it's, it, it, it sounds weird and it sounds stupid, but when you come out of that theater, it takes a lot out of you. The, the other day they say, uh, I think the, the saying is, if you eat a hot dog, it takes 39 seconds off of your life. The other day I housed like eight hot dogs. I literally, if I make it to 50, we're going to consider this a win. Just from that day. You'll be fine. You'll be all right. Because, <laughs> I mean, if a hot dog does it, I don't know what a Cardinal game does. I mean, Every yeah. single season, when the season's about to start, we lose our first game. Whether <laughs> we're 10-1, and 9-1, and you just feel that feeling of a loss of you get so excited, the game's about to start, you wait for the start, and then you lose. It's like, I don't know how I do They lose 62 games, and they're a fantastic team. How do I do this every year? It's 
it's legitimately like the, one of the greatest sports movies, obviously, of all time, which D, by the way, starred in one of them. Major <laughs> League, where you have the guys, they're still shitty. These guys are shitty. They're still shitty. They're blowing like, in the playoffs. <laughs> this is, like, that is every fan base. And just watching this weekend, like, obviously, you know, the Cubs come in, and first of all, I still don't understand why you have Cubs Cardinals during the week. That should never be a thing. For either for either industry and their economic base, economy, economy, they should not play on the weeks. Like you, that should be weekend series. Yeah, right here and there. But sorry, the Cubs aren't what they were, so you don't get it. But when the Yankees come in, you you text me and I was out with uh, my wife and some friends on Friday night, and you're like, it's just electric. The juice in the stadium. Aaron Judge talked about it, you know. And what I think two was it Saturday and Sunday or Saturday. Biggest attendance ever. They broke it ever. twice. Yeah, they broke it Friday and Saturday. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like, how many Including people can get in there? Forty-eight thousand nine hundred, apparently. Like, how may, how could there be more people there than in the World Series? They opened up more standing room. Ooh. It was wild. I couldn't get to the bathroom, but <laughs> it was when Paul Leon got that hit on Friday. I was there. I have not heard a pl- uh, a stadium, whether it's the Blues, whether it's the Cardinals, that loud in my entire life. It's awesome. Like they did that. The U of I, their basketball is um, toys very confined, so that's really loud. When we clinched the Big Ten title last year in the basketball, it wasn't even close to that. And they hadn't even won the game yet. It was wild. Even the Aaron Judge, there were a lot of Yankee fans there. When Aaron Judge came out, it sounded like, damn, Yadier Molina was stepping up to the plate. It was wild. And then Matt Carpenter got his ovation. Which, by the way, really cool we owe a little bit of – I think we need some respect to talk about that. Like, give him the respect. Um, obviously, the last two years here in St. Louis, and D, you watched it from from uh, uh, a different perspective, probably. You know, the Matt Carpenter stuff did not end well, and, and he has come out and he said, "Look, I I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to make the adjustments or that I was told to make." Or I'm paraphrasing here. I, I don't want to direct quote because I'm not doing him justice. But essentially, he did he didn't change the swing when people were trying to get him to change the swing, and you know, and I, I'm sure. I mean, there's got to be some pride, like the pride involved there. Hey, I've been a very – I mean, you're talking about a guy – this is a guy who's going to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Easily. Written, hands down. That's done. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who's had a really good career, and then when all of a sudden it's not working, you have to think, I can still do it. Like Paul Dion, I'm sure when he went to AAA, he made those adjustments. But to see the standing ovation, I, you knew it was going to happen. But obviously Yachty walks out, makes sure. That was pretty awesome. That was, And then when he saw his press conference and you got a guy in three – I understand the, the Cardinals and St. Louis gets poked at quite a bit. Because of our BFIB reputation, I really do. But it is pretty awesome, and I'm not saying we're the only one doing it because we're not. But when our when our guys come back, we saw it with Schumacher, we saw it obviously with Albert, even John Jay, with John Jay. We've seen it with um, Matt Adams. We've seen it with all of those guys. Long. It's very it's a very cool moment for me, who was a fan of Matt Carpenter for years until the regression became to a part where he was not already helping the team. Yeah. He was hurting the team. My favorite thing about that is he had such a tough last two years, and he was my favorite player before anyone else's. Absolutely. So yeah. he was my favorite player right when he came up, and I, I loved it. And you have to – he knows. He sees Twitter. He sees all the people bashing him. There has to be a thought in the back of your head after you get that ovation, like, okay, they still do you know, appreciate what I did. They still love me, basically. And that, that was cool to me. I almost went to tears, honestly, when it happened because it's just so cool to see a guy like that who deserves every bit of what he got. But I feel like it's almost validation for him. Like, okay, this chapter's over. You know, they do appreciate what I did here. I can move on. And I, I, lo- I love that we do that every time. And then in Bush Stadium fashion, he hits two balls to the warning track that would have been in the 12th row at Yankee Stadium. Yep. <laughs> Welcome back. 
Oh. Hey, Judge, you want to have 43 bombs here, buddy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's got to be like, I, I, I imagine Cleveland does the same thing. I don't know. I don't pay enough attention. But it is cool to see your guys come back. No, I mean, it is. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't think every city does it. I mean, Jesus, if you get, you guys deserve something if you give John Jay a standing ovation for coming back. Hey, you want a, you want a World Series Super Bowl? You want a World Series here? <laughs> that's like, that. that's so cool and, like, unique equally as it is stupid, you know, at the same that's time. True. Yeah, because so, people do make fun of, oh, you would clap. Well, yeah, we do. Like, we do. You know, the David Freeze. I mean, he got like a two-minute standing ovation. Is, every second that. You know, and you're right. It, it's kind of like silly if you think about why. No, the, like, not freeze. The freeze one I get. It's just, I mean, it's John Jay for crying out loud. You know? <laughs> he won a ring. He bet over 302 years for us. Yeah. Well. John Jay was, the thing is, we have so many, we we don't have a football team. We don't have a basketball team. team. We yeah. have an NHL team. But baseball is, St. Louis rallies around baseball. That's what it is. You wait for March every year. And then you get, and then you go through October, and you do it again, and every and they become cult heroes. Like if Lars Newpar has does never does anything well again in his Carlos career, which he will because he's a really good player, I think, and comes back with a different team, he's going to get one too. Like because you you fall in love with these guys because they. Why did I you don't just know. trade Lars Newpar? No, I'm saying that it was a hypothetical, you dumbass. Anyway, Jesus, I'm saying had a couple high noons today. No, you did, if you're not listening to what I'm saying, that's not my fault. That's yours. Anyway, He's a little aggressive. what I'm saying is it's because these guys are so important to the city of St. Louis. We, I mean, we've lost a lot of sports teams here. That, you know, they, that, that That's just why they get it because they're such a big part of everything here. And there's something to be proud of. There's not St. Louis has a lot of bad reputations, rightfully so in some, some that are a little bit out, overblown. But the one thing we have every year is the Cardinals. So I think that's why they get that big of a – of an ovation and their love so much. Yeah, and I don't know how to talk about teams like like I don't know Cleveland's like I just don't know Detroit, Minnesota. I just don't know. I do know that it does seem like a lot of former Cardinals, even when they go somewhere else, still raise a family. I mean, Matt Holiday lived here for years. Ed, Jim Edmonds still lives here. Larry Walker lived here for a while. Like after they played here, you know, it seems like Skip Schumacher, Carpenter, Wayno, Chris Carpenter lived here for a while until he moved out of town. Like. It does seem like us in Atlanta. It seems like a lot of guys in Atlanta, which, by the way, it's the South. I don't blame them. But, uh, you know, and I, I'm not, Cleveland might be the exact same way. I just am, I'm speaking from a point of ignorance that I don't know. But it is cool when, you know, you see your, like, uh, I mean, obviously, Lou Brock stayed here his entire life. Ozzy, like, you aren't from St. Louis, you know? Yeah. I also think while we're talking, let's get towards the series a little bit more here. Um, the one guy I want to shout so Paul Goldsmith, he's been on cloud nine the whole year. He's winning MVP. It's over. Wrap it up. I called it before the year. Give me my props. This He's man, winning the damn MVP. Man, hey, this man across from me is on the pat myself on the back. I am big time I, today. I, so I, just be hey, ready. Just be no, ready. If I'm gonna make the He's pro- probably gonna pull a, a muscle patting himself on the no, back. No, okay, stop. I did call it. Give me my credit. Either way, he's going to win the MVP, but that's not what I want to talk about. He's been over. Nolan Arenado is putting on one yes. of the greatest seasons I have ever seen a Cardinal put on in my life, and he's not getting the credit because of Paul Goldschmidt. Because some of the guys that have done remarkable things because of the Yachty Wayno um, Albert tour. But my God, the, the way this guy plays baseball, I have not seen a player as exciting in a Cardinal uniform in my life. Albert was fantastic, but he was called a machine for a reason. The energy that, uh, that Nolan Arenado plays with and how damn good he is at baseball. Oh, man. The weekend he had was against the biggest, the biggest series of the year in a situation where you have a chance to take the lead in the, the, I guess the Brewers. My God, he's just every time he's up in a big situation, he comes through. The energy's through the roof. I, I am in love with that man. He is so good. 
It is crazy to me. That's really interesting. Um, I, w- I would have said like Jim Edmonds, like as a non-Cardinal fan. I was super young, so I guess that's more of my the guys I've seen. You know. Yeah. Okay, that makes Jim sense. Jim was obviously incredible, but the energy that Nolan Arenado brings on a nightly basis. You can watch this guy 158 times, however many games he plays. You will see something spectacular every night, whether it's defensive, whether it's offensive. Most nights it's both. It's I have never seen anything like it. Currently 22 jacks, 68 RBIs, and a 921 OPS. Um, and a uh, 551 slugging. And he's good? the best defensive third baseman it's, ever. It's not even close. close. I don't think it's even close anymore. Uh, you, I, I think, you know, for years the argument was what, Brooks Robinson, it was Mike, Mike Schmidt. Schmidt. Um, Obviously, Matt Chapman is very, he's very great. good in Toronto. Uh, Manny Machado is incredible he's, he's in San Diego. Great. Nolan Arnado is the best. Scott Rowland was incredible here. Uh, Nolan Arnado is the greatest third baseman defensively I've ever seen. And honestly, I don't know if it's even close anymore. It's not close for me, personally. The play he made against Josh Donaldson last night from a knee. We were eating dinner. I showed you it. From he, he first off makes a great diving play from a knee. And then he throws him out, one hops it perfectly to Goldie. Gets Donaldson by three steps. And it's just, and they asked him after the game, "Hey, do you practice these?" And he was like, "I used to, but now I'm pretty comfortable doing it." <laughs> it's like, okay, you jackass. Yeah, like I get it. You're well, great. I, but I it's, just it's remember, incredible. honestly, the only time I ever got to see the Rockies when we get team here is if we were playing them. But you would hear the reports from everyone else around baseball. You have to watch Nolan Arenado every day. Every you day. have to, like, he was the guy that kept coming up. You have to watch him every day. Like, it is a pleasure. Like Charlie Blackman, I'm lucky I get to play center field behind this guy every day. You know, you hear, you heard those guys say that, and I guess he's correct. But you know what I'm saying? Like he's Trevor Story said, he makes my job 180 times easier. Like, it, what what are your thoughts on on something like that? Obviously, again, from afar, and I know. Listen, you got an absolute beast and a stud there in Cleveland in Jose Ramirez. I just think Jose's maybe a little bit more known for the bat than the glove, or am I sleeping on him because I don't watch him every day either? Yeah, I mean, he's not. Uh, you know. He makes plays and he makes the routine plays and he'll make a outstanding play. But, you know, I, he's not being talked about as one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Uh, right. Not a liability there, but now it's just, it's fun to have those kind of players on your team. I mean, that's what makes, I mean, you know, sports, we fall in love with it as kids and it follows us through our adulthood. And that's kind of like the whole reason why we like it. We like to see, you know, people be able to do great things on the field or court that, you know, we used to do when we were kids and, and try to do when we were kids. And it, it's just really cool having that type of, uh, that type of talent, you know, that you get to watch on your favorite team. It's what it's all about really, to be honest. You want to hear something crazier than any of the things I just said about him? I don't know if you can get crazier than he was in course field for what? Eight years. Um, He's having his best offensive season in his career this year by OPS plus. Yeah. At the age of thirty-one. Yeah. Thirty or thirty-one. Uh, we we got him. I was we were watching the little things, shitty movie. It made the movie way better. And when I found out we got him, and I was obviously stoked, but he has blown my expectations of what I thought he would be when he was here. Same. Completely out of the water. Like I I don't think I even comprehended how good he is. And I think when you hear course field effect, you assume he's going to take a dive down. He did very much so last year. Take a dive down in some stats. He's right back up and better than he's ever been. And it is I don't I mean he's the whole team is rejuvenated. I, I don't know. I mean I just Well I if only I can't say enough great things about if, if only he had a desire to win. I, let's not go through that I'm not really. Let's keep it positive. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. I love him. I lo- I know I can't. I love him so much. Like it is like D said, and you know, D, I think for me, and like I said, 
as I get older, I guess maybe it becomes more magnified. But watching the greats be great on a nightly basis is maybe the most underrated thing in sports, if that makes sense. You know? No, it is. I just hate when the greats are great against my team. <laughs> I get it. But, like, you know, and, and you know where I, like, I have for years been the anti-LeBron guy. I buried that hatchet. I don't care anymore. And I think that's, like, I almost feel like I did watch him a lot. I'm not but sure. I kind of deprived myself from enjoying how great he really, like, he's a top five player. It's not even an argument. Top two. Right. There you go. That's fine. That's fine. That's what you want to say. That's fine. Um, but, like, you know, and, and we, we have really tried on this show to be pro player in almost every every instance we can be until they make it impossible. Yeah. Right. Um, but, what, you know, when you do watch, and, and, and for years I heard the, Oh, Bryce Harper's a douchebag. You fill in the blank, right? We want to call him every name in the book. But, dude, that not is, we, not us. No, right, no, 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 not you and I. Let's, right. Let's specify that. I, I meant we heard, I heard that. I apologize. Yeah. But when you get to see guys like him and Trout and the Jose Ramirez's of the world and, you know, and, and Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani and Nolan and Goldie and Judge and, you know, just be – and it's not like they're great once – like, it's cool when Paul DeYoung – pops up and it's really awesome for a week these guys do it all the time 80 i mean i say 80 percent. that's not true it has to be but i mean right when now. you add in defense you add in base running you add, they show 162 games a year it's unbelievable Top two 82 nba games is unbelievable 82 nhl games is unbelievable 17 football games is just as unbelievable yeah. and when the greats show up dude i feel like it's so easy to hate on athletes via twitter and everything else that i i'm trying to get myself and i've, I've always kind of been the pro athlete guy oh i have been but I'm really trying to make it more to where accentuate the positive with these guys and enjoy it more than despise it if I have a villain. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. And it's hard to do that when you have – Because I think, I think, you know, I think Caleb's generation kind of has crossed over a little bit into and – it, and it's hard to not be this way when you're their age with the internet and everything and you have exposure to everything. But, yeah, you know – Teaching high school, I've you've noticed a shift from people being fans of a team to being more fans of a player. Yep. And um, you know, as the player goes around from team to team through free agency or trades or whatever it is, you know, they they want that team to win simply because they're the bigger fan of that player than a team. And it's just um I don't know if I'm there yet. I, I don't know if I could ever do that. You know, I I, I agree with, I agree with you when it comes to the Cardinals. But, you know, I grew up, like, for no reason, to be fair, other than they were great when I was a kid as a Cowboys fan. Like, there was no reason. My dad loved the Cardinals. They were garbage. So the Cowboys were on every Sunday. I just became a Cowboys fan. And then I kind of was that way. But then the Rams were here. So I tried. I rooted for the Rams. But then that became an absolute debacle and a shit show. So then I started rooting for the Saints. So I have hip, I have jumped around, no doubt I about it. I have jumped. I, so I think I'm fully on that. But but also I think the with you're right with the Twitter, with MLB Network, NHL Network, you have so much more access. NBA Network, NFL Network, like access to the players, but also the video games, and, and you know I think that's a big part of. It. But I also think a big part of it. And Dean, when you and I were kids, mo- usually not always, but guys stayed with teams for longer than three to five years. Yeah. You know, not everybody did. But it felt like you almost knew the same team with a few tweaks every year. Yeah, it yeah, it does seem like they were staying longer for sure. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's guys are just everywhere. That's what I think. What Ken Griffey Jr. did when he was in baseball, 
is the most impressive thing maybe of all time because like you guys were saying it was fans of teams it was i love you know even if you love the angels and you were a big fan and they were al west rivals you still loved king griffey jr like he was anyone that was growing up in the 90s you asked them what who their favorite player was i'm gonna say over 50 percent of them are probably going to say king griffey jr he was the guy that everyone loved everyone rooted for he made baseball fun um, what he did was unprecedented almost at the time for the sport. And you're seeing that more nowadays. Obviously, it's so easy to be able to appreciate. I mean, how many – what have you ever seen in your lifetime? Other fa- Fans of the other 29 teams in baseball want so badly for one team to be good like the fans of baseball want the Angels to be good. Right. They want Otani and Trout in the playoffs. They want to see the best players in the world at the highest level. And we're all mad at the Angels. We don't, we don't have any dog in that fight other than we want to see – the great, the greatness on the highest, um, the biggest stage, the biggest stage in the world. Yeah, but also I want. This is a little bit off track, but I want to. The Cardinals were really impressive, so I want to get a little bit um, into them again. Nolan and Goldie lead the league in WAR. They're one and two. Is this the greatest season ever by a corner into a combination, on, in the making? Well, I don't know what Roland and Alberts were in the MVP. I, I don't know if it's close. I really don't. Really? I don't know. I would have to look that up. I mean, it has, it's probably close. But I'm going. I'm willing to bet that this is going to go down as a historic corner infield season. It could be, and obviously, I we would. I would have to do it. You have to go dive. way back to obviously the the Yankee days and stuff like that. But from what I have seen, I, I don't know. I mean, they're just so dynamic, and they seem to fit really well with each other. Rip Kennedy but, Murray. I mean, I don't know. I'm just there's saying, a lot I'm of right. Chipper, 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 wasn't it? Yeah, probably. That's probably true. D, what about you? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I was sitting here just trying to think of – you're talking about corners, like first, third base, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Ripken – I think Ripken was still playing short when Murray was there. So um, I was just trying to think of – I was trying to start with great first baseman first. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know. That's an interesting <laughs> – Kind of on the spot, yeah. It's hard to – I doubt anybody would be one and two. I mean, they're going to be – I mean, they should – Austin Riley's been fantastic, so if he's number two at a Nolan, I have no problem with that. He has been so – Freddie Freeman, same way. Those two have been incredible. I think Goldie's number one by far right now. But, um, I, I mean, they're, they're going to lead the league in war if they continue at this pace. Obviously, one of them could go through a massive slump. It's baseball. It happens. But at the pace they're going to through, what, 110 games-ish? Yeah. 105 games. Um, I don't have any reason to believe they're going to slow down. And they've really been one and two up there since Tommy fell off because he was up there as well. Um in war, and that, that to me is the all-encompassing stat. Don't ask me how they calculate it, because I have no fucking idea. But I know that when I look at the end of the year, and I see the top ten, I'm like, oh, all ten of those guys are probably the ten best players. Yeah. So I believe in it. Jose Ramirez is always really high towards the top, because he's a great base runner, and he hits for both sides. And a he lot plays of solid there. defense, yeah. Um, so I think that that's pretty accurate. So I was just thinking, I can't remember a time where it's been like that. I don't know. I mean, did, did Todd Helton, was he, did he overlap with, our, with Nolan? I was, I was thinking that, too. I don't think Todd Helton's great years overlapped with. What Nolan. about like just thinking about Coors Field, like Galarraga and Vinny Castilla? Oh God, possible. Yeah. Uh, honestly, but, Castilla. But if we're gonna be Castilla fair, and Helton. If we're gonna be fair, like Galarraga and Castilla's defense, not even close to Goldie no. and Nolan's. Like, so I don't know how you like. I don't know. You'd have to do a deep dive into WAR. You know what I mean? I think that's what some. And you almost have to do it at the end of the season. Yeah. But I'd be intrigued to see the Vinny, like those the the Blake Street Bombers. I mean, when you had Ellis Burks and you had Elton, I mean, Elton, Galarraga, and you had um, Larry Walker and you had Vinny Castilla, like those guys were just putting on laser show after laser show. And I'm sure there's people Ellis, that are maybe Ellis listening Ellis to this Burks, 
they're screaming at, right, at there's probably Sam, somebody Lou Gehrig Frank, and Blank yeah. or Babe Ruth and Blank or whoever. Yeah. Um, Frank Thomas and Ventura? I don't know. Do what, D? Frank Thomas and Ventura? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, that's something I'd really like to look at. That's a really interesting Or Canerco point. and whoever they had over there. I mean, there's yeah. been plenty of, I'm sure. And Roland and Albert were the ones that made that's, it came I to mean, my mind. Same. But obviously agree. that's bias. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just think it highlights the fact that we're having that conversation. Yeah. And it's hard to come up with. It just shows how great they've been. And this, this series against the Yankees, you know, we came into it. I'll have myself to death again. I called it. But anyway, Jeez, we came in. This guy. We came, I just felt really How good about where they were. How did you get that head through the front door? I, I, I ducked. But anyway, um, I, I just felt that the team was in a good spot. I didn't expect a sweep at all. Um, and it's just so impressive to me that they, one, were able to do it. And, yeah, I know Rizzo and Stanton weren't in the lineup. Uh, boo-hoo, we've been without players all year. Right. Shut up your ass. But they gave us um, Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, who's on the I.L. Basically, they get rid of Montgomery, it seems. And they got Bader, who's a great player within his own right. That is what he does. But it's not the value to me as a starting pitcher to a center fielder that I think is replaceable. It's not one-to-one. So they kind of gave up on for Frankie Montas, who we absolutely shit on today, which was great. Um, and we were trying to trade Dylan Gorman for him. Well, while but what I think is so great about that is it's just – it was kind of poetic. Like Monty went out there five innings pitched, zero earned runs, probably would get it gotten to six, had a cramp, whatever. And then Montas comes out, the guy everyone wanted. Everyone wanted to trade their top prospects for him. Everyone wanted Nolan Gorman or Dylan Gorman right. traded for him. There were people who wanted um, Nolan Gorman traded and for him. And to just go out there and just, just six, what was it, two innings, six runs? Yeah. Like that, I, it was just a great weekend. It was very, very satisfying to watch a team that we thought could be like this all year long, thought could be in that elite conversation. To actually do it is a different thing. And I, and, I don't know, I'm on cloud nine. And for me, I'm not, I, I, I've never been, and others are, like a Yankee hater. Like I've never been a fan. But I've never been an outward Yankee hater. No. Like I've always had mad respect for like their for that group that I grew up with. Like that that group that was you know starting with Mattingly, who they obviously never won. But then you had the, the homegrown talent Posada and Bernie and Mo and Jeter, you know, and Pettit and those guys. Um, so I've never been the hater. But watching the watching Yankee Twitter implode over the last three days awesome. literally has been one of the most fun things I've ever been a part of. Well, you know. Growing up in St. Louis, as you and Caleb have both done, being Cardinal fans in the National League, I could, it is easier for you not to be Yankee haters. And I assume you are. Um, of course, but they're not my my biggest villain in the American League. To, has always been the Red Sox. That that's the team and fan base. Yeah, right I on. Fan. Fuck them. <laughs> I hate them more than anything on this planet. <laughs> I, I I would root for the Cubs before the Red Sox in a heartbeat. It's not even close. Yeah, there's something about them that I just yeah. I, I get Boston too. It seems, it seems like a great city. But it is a great have, city, and I'm gonna give them respect. They have a phenomenal fan base. They are they great. They do, yes. But they're so great because people like me hate them. Yeah, because I cannot stand they, them. They play the villain incredibly they're, well. They're like the perfect. Like they don't deal. even hate it. Like the Yankees fans hate being the villain. I think Cowboys fans hate being the villain. I think Red Sox and Patriots and Celtics and Bruins fans love it. They play the heel perfectly. Yeah, and it's and I have a and ton of really, respect for them. Really good at it. I have a ton of respect yeah. for them, but God, I hate them. I just can't. <laughs> anytime they do anything, Tom Brady to David Ortiz, who by the way I love, I love David Ortiz, but I hated what he did to us. And then I mean, what well, they did it to I us do, twice. I love Jason Tatum. I was too. Yeah, I, I love Jason Tatum <laughs> because he's from St. Louis, but that team, like, ugh. Like, it was the... I was not on the Celtics hype train at all. Uh, I, just, I can't. I don't yeah. like them at all. 
for me it was the dirt bag years like when they had all yeah they had all dirt bag you're not like an anti-white socks like is that well you know and and see it's kind of with the division shift you know like in the middle of my youth yep it kind of threw me off you know because growing up the indians said you know the white Sox were over in the west correct and then all of a sudden what like 94 they changed all that and so it's kind of new to me. I, not really. It shouldn't be new anymore. But you latch on to your youth when it comes to sports so much. It also seems like over the last what fifteen years, you know, the White Sox obviously won a World Series, and then when the um, Indians at the time had that really good run with Lindor and J Ram and Kluber were all really really good. Um, they kind of the successes of the teams over the last decade and a half haven't necessarily overlapped too much. I don't think so. It's kind of been the same with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Where one team was has been like really good, so the rivalries never felt super strong except for when he, we met them in the playoffs. Yeah. So then the awesome. hatred doesn't necessarily. Right. You know, like I can't stand the Brewers because our success has overlapped for since ten years. Yeah, so for ten yeah. years, yeah. it just hasn't been that. So is that kind of why as well? I mean, there has been time. I don't. They've never met in the playoffs, but there has been times where the division has come down to the two of them, and there was a I think a pretty classic moment I think in two thousand. Six or seven, uh, maybe even, you know, not a big deal, but where back when Ozzie Guillen was the manager oh. for the White Sox and uh, the Indians at the time had a chance to lock up the division. They're playing the White Sox at home and they played awful over the, the last weekend of the year and they got swept and Guillen comes out and faces the crowd after the series and puts both hands around his neck and is showing the choke sign to the crowd. That was kind of like the height. Of the White Sox hate, you know. Well, so. Nothing sums up Ozzy Guillen more than that. No, God, I cannot stand that guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't. I can't. I just, I don't even want to talk about but it. Let's couple cardinal things before we move on to get to around the league and some other things. Um, Palante and Hudson. This was, I mean, we, you and I were in agreement that we Hudson was going to stay in the the thing. Palante in the rotation. Palante obviously hitting, getting close to that, not innings limit, but his innings are going to be higher than he's ever. You're worried been. about it. I am worried about it. However, what about you? Like, where, like, do you just keep running Hudson out there and, and piggyback and Pilate if you have to? Is that what you kind of do? Because of the, you know, I always think about, you know, the, the always thing that sticks in the back of my head, and I've heard Smoltz say it, and I've heard Pedro say it, and I've heard Chris Carpenter and Wayno say it. Pitchers are creatures of habit. So when Hudson, as a starter, you get used to a routine. And I know that Pilate started as a reliever, went to the, the like, do you almost want to keep Hudson in the routine of a starter? Because I, I'm, I'm just I asking you. I keep him there what, until Jack's back, unless he's just so bad that he can't. Right. And I bring up Zach Thompson so he can be the piggybacker. Because I want Palante not to be pitching once every five days anyway. Because if you're worried about his innings, and then you're giving him four innings because Zach's so bad, it makes no sense. I agree. So for me, I would move I would move uh, Palante out of that piggyback role completely because he is so valuable in high leverage situations where he can he's really good against righties and lefties. His splits are great. So I would keep him in the bullpen, and I'd bring Zach Thompson up to be the bulk guy if you need him. But I don't want Palante to be that because I think he's such a dynamic guy. Like, you look at even today, you know, you had to go Hicks back-to-back. All he said he did not want to do that. Right. That's Palante's spot. Right. So you need – he's another guy. You put him in the bullpen because it extends your bullpen so much with another high-leverage guy you can trust. But you can't devalue can't, him. Right. I agree. By but, just using him. No. I'd say by just using him when Dak starts. Right. And if you're going to do that, as that is their plan of attack, I get it. But then you just got to start Palante because then you're just wasting it. Agreed. It doesn't make any sense. So, do you think with the day off they skip Hudson maybe? 
Just to give him a, no. A, a, I think at this point of the season, guys' innings are racking up. You want so to, you think you you're going to get a break? So he would start in Colorado. So you almost take a day. Oh. You almost take a day off. I don't know. You almost take a day off as you know a grace for Wayno to have to get one extra day off. Okay. Michael's. That's the way I view it. At least at this point of the season, you're getting to the dog days of August. It's hot. They're cramping, and I, I would give them all an extra day. Um, you, we talked about Paulie D. The re, the reunion tour. The what did you call it? The revenge the re, tour. The revenge tour. I like it. Um, I mean, that's it's just so much. It's so awesome to see a dude be humbled. And not sulk about it. Yes, I have yeah. a story. Not complain. Well, let's say hey, story time. Story time with Caleb. All Paul Young. So apparently, by the way, I didn't know this. I knew that he was probably a good guy, but apparently, he is loved in the clubhouse. Like, they absolutely love him. Um, so they didn't know it's he was. His eyes. They didn't know he was getting called up. Um, say it's his eyes. Somehow they didn't know. He met them at the bus, and apparently, they started banging on the bus windows when they saw him get out. So that was pretty cool. And I think, the, and Lars Newbar said this yesterday. He said the energy with him around just feels a little bit better. Like I guess he's just a great clubhouse hey. guy. And when you have a guy like that who went down, didn't complain, came back. I just sound like an old white person when I say that, but whatever. Didn't <laughs> complain, did the yeah, work, put came his back, head down, ran yeah, around the bases, well, earned his way back. Didn't just no, get advantage. I, I agree. I and agree. comes back up and has success, big success in a huge series, two huge series with the Cubs and the um, Yankees. And to come back, I mean, that's just a jolt. That's, that's huge to it see is. someone like that. And the like other that. jolt you mentioned him is Lars playing every day in right field. He's been so good. Like, he, he has and, – and we've got Tyler back, which is great to see. Um, you know, I was a little nervous about the leg cramps. But I saw him go the other way for a hit today. Had a couple hits over the Huge weekend. against Chicago. Massive three-run homer in that series. So, you know, getting him back. But with Lars, not just the defense he, he plays – not just the way that he's been swinging the bat, which, by the way, is very, very Fantastic. strong lately. Should have those numbers in front of me. I don't. But he has over a thousand OPS since was, June, July first. He Caleb might have made that up, guys. No, I didn't. But I'm going to say he didn't. No, I, I didn't. All right. Um, I, I like. I, I know that but, I didn't. But also the energy he brings, and you talked about it last year when you were around the club every day at home. Just the love that everybody seems to have for Lars Newbar. And D, you know this because you obviously you play sports, you coach sports, you, uh, you do all. You, you're around, you know, as a fan of sports. Uh, the energy that a guy who's not your superstar can bring is so infectious that it's so important to teams to have that they don't have to be the number one, number two, even number three, number four guy. But you get a guy who plays like he is one of those Aaron guys. Fire. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah, I, I think I'd argue and say that's probably the most impactful in basketball and soccer. But, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get that and on any competitive team, it's definitely contagious. It's always awesome to me to see guys who know their roles. He doesn't, yeah. Yeah, you know what I like? You you know where you fit in the pecking order. You're comfortable with it. And then maybe one day you're going to move up the pecking order, but you're not pissed because you're maybe not at the top of the pecking order. You're a lower pecker. I've got <laughs> I've got a couple of thoughts on this. They're, they're, they're all about Lars. One, um, I, I challenge anyone listening to this to go watch one highlight from this weekend, whether it's a big home run, a big hit, and I guarantee you, you will see Lars Newbar's face doing something yes. at some point. Yeah. So that was huge, too. He is a great guy. I met him a lot of times. He seems like a goofball. He's wore TJ McCallum's jersey. He's awesome. He was really nice to me a bunch of times. I met him a bunch. He seems great. And three, the biggest thing with Lars Newbar is, one, he's playing fantastically. <laughs> so that's obviously great. It's always a plus. But we lost Harrison Bader. And to say, you can say what you want about Harrison Bader. I think he was kind of an offensive disappointment here. We thought he could be a little bit better than he was at times. He never really hit the stride that I still believe he can hit in his career. He never did that. 
But his energy was the biggest thing he brought. Every time he brought a lot Agreed. of energy, he brought smiles to the clubhouse. I think he loosened them up. He was just a different type of player. The ladies loved him. He did. They did. But <laughs> Lars, um, he's he's really just supplemented that with himself. He's yeah. placed himself into that role. He's the fire starter. There, I mean, he has the newts. Um, the newt chants are just as loud as the yachty ovations nowadays. So he he's um, what he's doing for the club right now goes well beyond the numbers, which are great anyway, and the catches, the highlight reel catches he's making. And I think it's it's huge for the team because they needed they needed a guy like him and Paul DeYoung to come up, be in the bottom of the order, and bring energy down there. And that's why they did what they did this week, in my opinion. Better fire starter. Is he the uh, wait, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, better fire starter, Lars. The girl from the movie. <laughs> you can't say girl. It's Drew Barrymore. Or Flint. I'm not, not going to lie to you. I have no idea what those other three things were. Really? <laughs> no idea. Yeah, it completely went over my head. Do you, do you have an answer for that? Well, you, first off, it's Drew Barrymore. You can't just say the girl from the movie. I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember it was her or the girl from, from Poltergeist. I had a brain fart. So you're for blaming me. Now you're yes, the, the greatest fire starter is obviously Flint because it actually is going to start a fire. So there, there you go. One so the largest number two. One of the worst things. Second best fire starter out. One there. of the worst songs of all time. We didn't start the fire. To be fair, the He's... song by Prodigy, Firestarter, it's very bad. Yeah. There was a lot of naked women in the in the video that MTV had to remove. So you might. I mean, being you know being the second best fire starter in the world, I guess, is pretty good for a uh, lower pecker. So. I mean, we didn't even get to gasoline, so I think Lars is up there. <laughs> That's true. I also had the wrong Prodigy song. Firestarter is one of them. Smack my bitch up with the naked women. Yeah, wasn't that like where you were a, a woman from like a POV and like you were thrown up in the toilet and stuff? Yes, and... yeah, a lot. I think a lot of ecstasy was being taken in the yeah. video. Yeah, yeah. We had to put a warning label out, and all the old whites got mad at it. <laughs> the, song of the, the title of the song sounds a little problematic. Smack my bitch up. So I think we're gonna move on. <laughs> okay. Bad. So I think we. I want to end the carnal segment. I'm moving on. I want to end the carnal segment. D as so we we are biased, like you said. We hang on every pitch. We see everything. We very much feel the trends of the team, whether they're going down, going up, and where they're at. As a, an impartial viewer and seeing where the baseball world is at, your view of the, what is your view of this Cardinals team? What do you – if you were just – obviously there's elite teams. There's the teams that are going to make the playoffs, don't know what, what they'll do, average, below average, horrible. What is your view of the team as we stand today? Well, first off, I like you guys a lot, obviously. So just hearing you excited – about what seven in a row did you say six seven in, in a row, row. Uh, six and oh since the trade deadline I, I i've heard you guys when things aren't going well and it it comes across in your voices and you talked about how lars brings the energy it's contagious it's good to hear you guys happy about a team that you care about deeply so yeah. there's that number one number two the well i don't know if it's bad but you know, I, I don't know if these moves, you know, their, their division, much like Cleveland's division, is weak. And they should be taking control of that division. And they are in first place now. And it took them a while to get there, but they're there now. It's early August, mid-August, whatever you want to say. And they shouldn't look back in terms of their division. They should not look back. They're like They should be adding, you know, their lead from here on out to the end. This is, they are the best team in that division and they they should end up in first but i just don't know when the playoffs start and i know anything can happen in a shortened series but you know 
I don't think I would say that um, there should be a lot of optimism with them making it through. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as they're currently constructed because I don't think that you can't, no matter how big of a part of that I am, you can't view their pitching and say it lines up with the Mets, with the Dodgers, with the Braves. You just can't. You can't say that because it's just not true. Now, do I think they could end up getting hot and they have a chance to beat anyone? Sure, it happens. Look at our pitchers in the 2011 and 2006. They were not. They were not. If we get Jack Flaherty back, my team's going to change if he's Jack Flaherty. But when you look at um, the Brewers and the Cubs, do you think they're close to the same talent level? Or do you view one heads above the other one? What is your view of I think the Cardinals are definitely ahead, in my my opinion. And that, and that changed from beginning of the year. I thought Milwaukee was the class of the division. And, you know, I just – I don't know if it's just being more local here and living here and, and having the Cardinals more in my face than the Brewers, but I, I think the Cardinals are a better team, a clear better team than the Brewers, no doubt. I agree, and I think the biggest thing for the Brewers is, like, they were in the rumors – their fans, I think, thought they were going to add Josh Bell and keep their team and go right. Right. Instead, they lost Josh Hader and got no hitting. And I swear, I think – I've been saying this on here. People like, I don't know why you keep saying the Brewers are a bad team. They're pretty good. They keep what here. They here it is. They're not. They're not a, a great baseball team by any stretch. They're very, very average. You've, they've got to have their biggest thing. The we're Cardinal fans, so we watch them a lot. We watch them play the Cardinals. If it's the seventh inning and you're losing, the tight butthole of we better get the lead here, or <laughs> you get Devin Hader and I mean Devin Hader, Devin Williams and Josh Hader, and the game's over. Right, that's gone. That thing yeah. is gone. There's no Josh Hader waiting for you. It's now. They, their games were seven innings long most of the time because if you were losing after the seventh, the game's over. So yeah. for that to be gone, I think David Stearns and the front office really undervalued what that means not only to their team and their confidence, but also to the other team's confidence. They completely just disregarded that, in my opinion. Yeah. I You know, I just see this <laughs> from me, okay, from me, and you're going to hate this, but we were talking about how, this, how baseball is such a roller coaster. Um you guys are, are so happy with your pitching additions. <laughs> it would just be so funny to me in the playoffs if Juan Soto deals a devastating blow against the Cardinals in the playoffs and you guys go back to saying, see, we should have traded for Soto. <laughs> well, that could easily happen if we're going to be honest. I know, and I'm laughing, and I know it's not that funny, but it's just. No, 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 no. see, that would be poetic justice, especially if it's off Jordan Montgomery. But. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I, I don't I think the Padres are a great team, so if we lose to them in the playoffs, I will not be angry one bit because I think they're just a great team. And I'm actually really happy for their fan base. I said that last that podcast, that they went for it. And, you know, they've deserved this for a long time. All their sports teams left, and they really became a big market for baseball because that place is packed every night. And I'm glad their ownership's not just pocketing that money and calling it a win. So I'm glad they're reallocating that. But – um, you want to get around the league now? Since I think we've had a good yeah. panel talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, hey, so I, I'm so glad to have you on today, well, obviously for multiple reasons. But it's awesome to get someone else's perspective. Caleb and I here I sit here in rose tinted glasses. Um, yeah, but you ever? Re- I mean, you made your team better. They they made the Cardinals clearly better at the trade deadline. You made three significant moves. The Brewers made one significant negative move. And yeah, I think my favorite thing you say. I said this last week was. Um, I actually tweeted this out. If Juan Soto wasn't on the table, we had no idea that Juan Soto was going to be dealt. Um, this trade deadline, we would have been very happy. Yeah, no, it for sure. The negativity of we didn't get Soto, because obviously we were hanging on to that because it's Juan Soto and you want him on your team. 
But if you had no idea that was going to happen and you're just ignorance is blessed, you'd have no idea, we'd be very happy with getting two solid starting pitchers that can slot in at your three, both of them. So I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, the trades that happened made June, Mike, and Caleb very happy. Um, I do know this. I do believe the conversations that Mo and Ali had with Carlson and Gorman could go a long, long way. When you're, it ha- when you're 23 years old and you've been and drafted and developed by the Cardinals, right, 23, 23 years old, and you're playing every day in a pennant run, and you have to hear the old trade Gorman for Montauk trade. You know, you have to hear that shit. I don't care who you are. You hear it. And when you see when, – when your team says, look, we're not dealing you, you're the cornerstone of our team, of what we're trying not to for this just this year, but for moving forward. I mean, that has to be like, oh, Okay, and we saw Gorman respond. We were at the game on Thursday, gotcha. almost hit one out, and then goes oppo new. I was on the TV. And yeah, we were both on TV a couple times on MLB Network. But, you know, when you get that kind of stuff, and Gorman's going to have a struggle. I was kind of surprised with him lineup today, but I think hey, they're them a break. whatever, I'm okay with that. And, and Carlson's been a little slumpy here, but just to get that okay, today. just to get that news that, hey, you guys are, you're, you're not going anywhere. I think it can work both ways. I, I tweeted this out a couple days ago. That I, when they started to go a little bit, I was like, this might have galvanized the team because Carlson immediately was really high out of the trade deadline, and so was Gorman. And for me, it seems it seems to me like, obviously, it's rejuvenated. If you get Juan Soto in the clubhouse, the guys that are still there are obviously going to be riding a high because it's Juan Soto. But And it works the same way as if the deal doesn't happen, and you're like, we believe in you. We could have traded you. When Matt, Adam Winter said this, we could have traded Car- Gorman Carlson. Hey, we could have traded you guys and got the, arguably the best player in the world. But we didn't. We believe in you guys. We believe both you guys can be more valuable than him combined. So I think that does give you a level of confidence. Hey, to. you guys are batting first and second. Juan Soto's not here. You're a one and two hitters moving forward. Go get it. And they seem to be doing it. I think it has galvanized the group a little bit. D, let me ask you a question as we start to move around the league a little bit. Um, Tuesday, trade deadline. Guardians are one game back. They don't really make a move to upgrade their team. As a Guardians fan, what, like – how did how did that make you feel? Like that's a, that's a terror. I hate that question. How did that make you feel? But like, what, you're out your journalist. Were you expect right, right right? Were you expecting a deal? Were you? Are, is this team that's playing for uh, 2023? Like what what are your thoughts there? Well, it sucks. And even if their plan was to play for 2023, which I never understand that plan anyway. Um, you know, the the players obviously changed that plan that you had going in because you're a game back in the division, and I know you know you were busting Caleb's chops about patting himself on the back, but I kind of feel the same way because I felt like I was taking a lot of punches um, in March telling people that I think the Guardians are going to be really competitive. Yep. I know they had, you know, Vegas had them as an under 500, well under 500 club projected win total, and I just didn't see how that was possible. I thought, you know, their season got derailed last year from from injuries to pitchers, and they weren't career-threatening or career-altering injuries. And I was like, man, if you just bring this reg- this team back the way it was, they're going to compete for the division. And this team has been so much fun to watch with the newcomers. And in addition to that, the, the, you know, the Stephen Kwans and, that started the season with the team, they've also throughout the season made, I think they're up to 13 player debuts from the minor yeah. leagues. Yeah, And oh, so yeah. they're clearly – playing their younger guys, clearly trying to build another window here, but it sucked because I feel like the window's open right now. Yeah, currently currently one game back, and Kevin and I had this discussion, and he was on the opposite side of what you're saying. I am in 100% agreement with you, and our discussion was on the Orioles 
because the Orioles obviously no expectations coming in, right? Right. But here they were, right? Here was Adley Rushman, and here was Cedric Mullins, and here was Trey Mancini, and here was Jorge Lopez, and here were all these guys, Urias, all these guys who were playing. You're only a two game and a half out of the wild card, and you trade Mancini and your closer. I understand that, yeah, you are playing for the next few years, but that does the next few years don't mean shit. They could be just they could be terrible again. You're in it right now. I, I just I, I'm with you, D. I, I would have loved to have seen the guard. I thought that what the Twins did was great. Actually. They had a great deadline. I thought the Twins had an awesome deadline. Uh, I wanted to see the Guardians make a couple moves because I think there were guys out there, there were pitchers out there that could help. There were some under the radar bats. That, um, a Brandon Drury in Cleveland would have been unbelievable. Yes. Um, well, where's he going to play? Where I was, I was, I was friend Moraes. And I, I think I want to. We did talk about that, and I was on the other side. I think the way I, I, I really liked what the Mariners did last year in the exact same situation. But they said our playoff window is not now, but we are going. We're going to go trade Kimbo Graveman. I didn't like the way they did that, but they did it. And but we're going to go bring guys in to help us this year and next year. And then our windows next year. It was Toro and um, Diego Castillo. Yeah. So I wish the Orioles would have done something like that. But trading Mancini and Lopez, it made too much sense. I mean, their value was so high. Um, but yeah, they probably should have supplemented that and said, okay, but we're going to go get player X, Y, Z, whether it's fans or The one that was surprised to me was dealing Jorge Lopez, who had team control. You know, His hope, value was just so My high. hope is Mancini comes back there. But yeah, I was, I was, in fact, Ken, I sat and watched the entire trade deadline stuff. And we were just like praying. Man, the Guardians, let's go, let's go. You're a game back. And I, I, I was just shocked. I, I was. I was shocked that they didn't make a move. I was shocked the White Sox didn't make a move. I have no fucking idea what the San Francisco Giants are doing. I didn't love the what Cubs the Orioles are didn't love what the Orioles did. The Cubs look like a team that, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. If you're Wilson Contreras, I, I know you want to go back, but I don't know how you do. Um, the Red Sox, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Cincinnati got way better. They, Cincinnati, Cincinnati had a, really had a good great deadline. trade deadline. And I don't like what they did because they could have been a really good team this year. I agree. But they traded away too many pieces. But, so but I so I'm not I don't want to give them too much props because they shouldn't have been in that position. I know, I agree. But, but anyway, they were. So I do have a question for you, D. This just happened. Bobby Bradley and Reyes DFA. Um I, I haven't been watching the Guardians too much this year. I've been watching mostly Cardinals, some West Coast baseball when the Cardinals are over. Um, did you feel those moves were justified? Did you like them? Well, what were your thoughts on those? Because they kind of they shell shocked me. But did you see them coming? Well, if you don't mind, let me finish the thought real quick. Um, it, it playing for next year, it it really hacks me off because it never ends. Because they always say that the next step, the next level, is always gigantic, and you need time. Like when you go from double A AA to triple A, you know, you need time to acclimate. Going from the minor leagues to major leagues, you got to give the players time because it's such a different animal, right? And when you say like like a team like Cleveland, a game back right now, when you don't make a move and you don't try to bring that contagious, you know, optimism like we were talking about earlier uh, to a team in the middle of a pennant race, is that if you say we're playing for next year, then all of a sudden, if you do make the playoffs in 2023, now you have a built-in excuse to lose in the playoffs because now you're going to say 2023. Well, these guys had to get their feet wet in the playoffs. So just wait till 2024 because now they have playoff experience under their belt. You have a chance to get that playoff experience now, even if you get swept. And so if your window then truly is 2023, now you go in there and the guys you have on your roster know what playoff baseball is like instead of going in there flat-footed. Yeah, that's a good point because I think the biggest thing for the Mariners this year, I know they got to a tough start, but they've been really good as of late. 
was they all had all their young guys. They had that big experience of man. That last weekend in Seattle was electric. It was packed. They were right there. They had a chance. And even though they fell short, you know, they still know the feeling of going for it and what it takes. So I agree that experience is very valuable. I always love like that's why I always thought the Warriors had a great chance of winning the championship this year. Different sports, obviously, but I'll take experience over anything. Right. I, I do agree with that. Uh, as far as Reyes and Bradley, uh, no, not surprising. Um, really love Fran Mel Reyes. He's such a big guy. I mean, he was like, you talk about Paul DeYoung being beloved in the clubhouse. Reyes was the same thing, and that was the biggest concern to me was how the team was going to react because Josh Naylor and Reyes are the heartbeats of that clubhouse. We are big Josh Naylor fans on this podcast. So and, big fans of his. Yeah, and so that one's a little – little um, nerve-wracking to wonder how that was accepted. However, on the field, clearly the success of Oscar Gonzalez out in right field, who, I mean, also has the size of Reyes and has the power. I mean, he absolutely is the reason why Reyes is gone. Um, I, I He was a big-time minor league guy, but... I don't think anyone was expecting the kind of success and the kind of quick adjustments that Gonzalez was making. And it's clear that his success made Reyes uh, obviously expendable. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, Bobby I was Bradley was surprised yeah, me more, too. I and I know, Dee, heading into the season, you were <laughs> on the Bobby Bradley train so quite I, a bit. I, like I think Bradley. a lot of people were. Well, you, yeah. The last thing you want is for me to uh, speak publicly about a player on social media because that's the kiss of death that they're going to be released. Oh, no. Oscar Gonzalez, DFA. Oh, yeah. Oscar Gonzalez, that poor guy. There you go. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Take it out. Watch for that. That might be coming. So I also have one thing because since we're on the Guardians topic, I want to tell you, D, that one of my new favorite players in baseball is on your team. I love everything Andres Jimenez does. That guy is so fun to watch. He is so good. And I'm so glad he got an all-star game because, my God, I was pushing for him to start the game. But he is so good. He is an electric player. And and why is he bat six? Yeah, I mean, he's 23 years old. He is batting six, but you got to remember that's, you know, he started off with batting eighth. Yeah. So he's moved his way up, um, and he's not playing his best position. You know, he's playing second base, and – I know that they were itching to get him over to shortstop, but then you got the American League hits leader all of a sudden, uh, you know, slated in at shortstop. But then we have another guy in the minor leagues, like who's supposed to be the star of the um, of the Clevenger trade waiting, which also made it even more puzzling why they didn't make a move because they are getting log jammed here with infielders. Yeah, Nolan Jones as well. He's really good. Yeah, they had to push him out to the outfield and. I mean, that one, you know, he's, I think he's a natural third baseman, so, I so that wasn't surprising knowing that Ramirez is there. But, um, yeah, I mean, they have a lot. Of, I, I think one of the reasons they didn't make a move is I don't even know that they are completely sure at who they have yet. I and, think that's a good point because I was thinking that as well as we are talking about it. Because it may, we talked about this, the, I remember you said you listened to it. We were talking about Juan Soto's that we have a lot of players, a lot of really young players. That's why trade from Juan Soto's made sense. Because there's a lot of guys that we believe were expendable because you had other guys you could step right in and do the same or better jobs than the guys you could trade away. But when you're in Cleveland, all these guys are so young, they're so fresh, it's raw talent. It's Andres Jimenez had a great half, but what does that translate to? Can he play shortstop? And I think them maybe being like, oh, a little frightened of making the wrong move and trading the wrong guy 
that probably did play a part into why they decided to just stand pat. For sure. Because I think at the trade deadline was Memorial Day, Rosario would have been gone. Um, and he has just been an absolute monster. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. They just don't know what exactly they have. And they're trying to figure that out because you want to get down to, like, you know, a five, six, if you're lucky, seven core, you know, position players. And I'm not sure they know who that is yet. Yeah, I mean, obviously Jimenez with a 845 OPS right now. Yeah, he's I mean, so good. You, you like, kind of like the Cardinals, you, you, like, you guys have the top two there, uh, and everybody else is under the 800 mark in OPS, kind of like we are. And, uh, you know, obviously Rosario, who is – I mean, he was really struggled out of the gate. Oh, God. And, and he has been great. His power numbers have months. really come together, too, which has impressed me. Because I, I, I think we, we were on here after Lindor got traded. I think you were on here with us, D. And I told you that my favorite player you got back was Andres Jimenez. I yes. really liked what he could do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the power was going to come like it has. So he's been a revelation yeah. to me. I really like that guy a lot. Yep. And man, God, he's a magnet for hit by pitches. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Santos, yeah, play. Be careful there, right? You got to watch out for that. Yeah. It's, it's been a few times this year that I'm like, oh, there goes his season. He's rolling around the dirt. But then he's just, he gets up and goes down, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you want to get to the power rankings? Because I kind of want to get yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a couple things before we get there. Okay. Um, cool to see Fernando Tatis back in the rehab start. He'll be back. I'm soon. so excited for baseball. Needs him back. Um, for the Cardinals, looks like maybe Jack going out on a rehab start here. If his bullpen went well today, I haven't heard anything. But me neither. If I did, the fact that I didn't hear anything, it's good. I think they're going to see how we recover tomorrow. Right. And he should be back. Uh, yep, it's also heading out for one. And you and I just have to sketch. We're not sure where he ends up. I mean, honestly, he might be a Triple A for a little bit. Which I think would be which is okay. I, you don't need you don't him right now. right now. No, no, no. You don't need him right now. Um, but to see Tatis, uh, the one thing that we didn't talk on because we got, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but the one thing that we didn't talk about last time when we were going around the league was we need to give a massive, massive shout out to uh, Austin Riley, one of my absolute favorite players in the league, but signed the biggest contract in Braves history. Um, that's pretty awesome. I think that's the you biggest know? contract in Braves history. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I thought so too. I thought um, it was a steal. Ten years, two hundred twelve million. I mean, that's steal, man. That you're talking about a guy who's good. He's right now firmly entrenched in the MVP race. I'm with you with Paul Goldschmidt right now. But Austin Riley's like maybe in second, third, and Nolan second, are right third, there. Yeah, um, Freddie's up there. Yeah. The, the cool thing to me about you know, as a Cardinal fan, uh, you know, obviously people hear us bitch about stuff that does drive me crazy. It has to be cool to be a Braves fan. Oh my God. When you watch Alex Anthopoulos sign, uh, extend Acuna, for extend nothing, Albies. For nothing. And they're going to – I did hear uh, Dan O'Dowd say they're probably going to have to come back to that. That's what I was point. saying, yeah. Um, but Austin Riley, you lose Freddie Freeman, which Matt sucks. Olsen. should never happen. So what do you do? You go get Matt Olsen. And you extend him immediately. And then you've got the young pitchers to go with Charlie Morton. Spencer Strider. Man. Like, I mean, what a way to run a That's franchise. Free. They're going to extend him eventually if they have Yeah, him. you've got Ian Anderson. You've got Strider. You've got Morton. Uh, and who's the, who's the other guy I'm missing? My God, why am I missing their fifth starter? Um, and not Anderson. Oh, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright. Another young guy. Yeah. I think they're the best run organization <sighs> in baseball today. The last five years. They're, they're right there. And yeah, they're right there. Same close. Yeah. Alex Anthopoulos is so. Alex Anthopoulos, yeah, but they have so much money. I get it. I'm just saying. It's kind of a little easier. They've yeah. done a great job, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But Alex Anthopoulos, what he does with his resources is out of this world. He yeah. is so good at it. D, I think probably right around the time, well, no, you've been here for a while. But not too long since you've been in the St. Louis area. There, well, I guess what year did you move to St. Louis, Steve? Ninety-nine. Okay, so yeah, right in that area when McGuire signed, like that, you know, when he we got him from the A's, and then he signed. Like a big thing was the Cardinals were really good at getting guys who were way above the value, 
but the contract was below the value. Same with Holiday. And it feels like that is what the Braves are doing. They're getting the guys young. They're extending them, which, first of all, great business model. Then you don't have to worry about And you can always come back to them. You can always come back to that and, and re-extend them if you need to. Because I couldn't deserve $20 million a year. It just that seems contract. to me like people absolutely love playing for Atlanta. Yeah, that, it really does. That and place is awesome. Great I'm so happy is awesome. for that. Yeah, and that stadium is banging. But and not so to get cool. lost, which I started with. I'm super pumped for Austin Riley. I love that dude. He is an absolute He's so tank. Good. I love that the fact that his nickname in minor leagues was Ocho because they pulled him for defensive uh, replacement. replacement, and now he's like one of the best third basemen in the league. <laughs> so they call That's him Ocho. So funny. Now they call him Young Thing. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just think you know that. I, I, as a Cardinal fan, I'm jealous of that. And the Cardinals, hey, our model has been very successful. Very like nice. incredible. The last 25, 26 years. I would say the years, last five years have been a really good I mean, it's, it's hard. If you were to put the last 26 years, and I know that's cherry-picking numbers. I understand that. But I'm just going back to that's when we signed, like when Tony came in at 96. And it kind of, the, the whole culture changed here. If you were to put that up, we have to either be one or two, I would say, in wins over we'd the last be behind, years. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll probably, I mean, us, the Giants. We're the, definitely up there in wins. Obviously, you got the Giants and the Red Sox. I think have more rings than us. Right, right. But um, Giants have three Reds. And have three, I would think three, we have probably two. have three as well in that time. No. They didn't win 2009. Two. What about, you said 96. They yeah. won in 98, 99. Oh, no, 90. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So those My would, mind is thinking 96. Those would be the winnings in terms yeah. of playoff runs. But yeah. the Cardinals in terms of longevity and being in the playoffs just about right. every year, they're up there with a lot right. of teams. Yeah. Not bad. Not a bad run here in St. Louis, Pete. No, it's been great. I'm happy for you. <laughs> well, we're hoping... We're, we're, we're hoping out the Guardians that that continues to. <laughs> no. I was really hoping they were going to make a push for Juan Soto. Because I thought they had the means to do it. And I think that would have been such a culture changer there. But I would well, watch me to see that they were actually going to try, maybe. Well, this front office does such a good job. Oh, I don't know if it's a good – if they if this is what they're going for, they do a really good job at it. It's, it's staying quiet. You never hear them in rumors. And then all of a sudden, a deal – if they're if they do make a deal, it's made. And it seemingly kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and so they're not really like you know, it's not like being tweeted about for two weeks that um, they're you know one of the three teams in the deal. They're talking. They made an offer. You know they've uh, increased their offer. It's it's one of those deals that you see that made, and you're like, I didn't even know that they were involved in that. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's a good job by front because that means they're not getting leverage, and that's what I think the calls might have had to happen to them here. Yeah, but the calls have been good at that for a while. And then it kind of ended with Nolan because then it, the rumor started. I don't know what happened. If they got a snake in the room now, but we heard about Nolan coming to St. Louis for a year and a half, yeah. and now it seems like the rumors are running wild every time yeah. they're in on anyone. You guys, hey, you guys out there on Twitter, be careful because little Frankie Cusimano's out there stealing my tweets. <laughs> He's a thief. That man, that man straight stole my tweet and I put it out as all your. Tweets. Oh come on! I really don't. come on. There is no way that this man. Well, did you talk about this? Uh, uh, this man, this man stole my tweet. So. When we are going through all the trade deadlines, right? Very simply, very simple. Hold on, let me get, it, let me pull it up. I put on here, or I tweeted out, just trying to be funny because that's what I try to do sometimes. It doesn't always work. That the Padres are like legit. The Padres are getting Juan Soto, and it's going to be just like my twelve-year-old Christmas again, where all I wanted was a mongoose. I remember that tweet. Yeah. Right, but instead got a uh, knockoff Huffy with a banana seat. <laughs> Right, which indeed, by the way, did come true. Both those things are true. Um, <laughs> after the trade deadline, here's what little Frankie Cusimano puts out. This is kind of like the Christmas day when you were anticipating a new bike and you end up with a used one. Shut up. That motherfucker's out here stealing my tweets. 
And his was less funny because it wasn't specific. Yeah, but he got way more likes and way more retweets. <laughs> mine got a lot of reactions, but not like it. And mine was way better. No, no, no. You got to screenshot him and send it to him and tell him to quit stealing. I haven't screenshot. He has, been, he's been posting all of his likes. <laughs> that man straight stole my tweet, dude. Yeah, now this needs to be exposed. I think so. I, I'm going to go uh, and go, you paid for it. And I'm going to have Elliot Davis expose Frank Cusimano also, for the little thief that he is. Also, That'd be classic. I met him one time last year on the field. I said, hey, Frank. He looked me in the eyes and turned around. I was like, well, fuck you. Yeah. So you know what, yeah. Frank? We're not a Frank Cusimano podcast. We, there you go. You should have, yeah. that little Frankie C. You should have ripped <laughs> off his toupee. He was the only person that big league me. And it was a goddamn... Well, he big league me on Twitter. The, the, the interviewer. It was like, all the players are so nice to me. And you think you're... Whatever. This man is I not plagiarism. I digress. Yeah, that's funny. That I mean, you know... <laughs> That's, that's not a good look. And that, I mean, I, I'm really questioning the coincidence on that. There, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's almost like he was just dumbed it down so you couldn't really That was it. Out. His was way worse. Uh-huh. He stole it straight from me. Power rankings. All right, fellas. All right, D. All right, buddy. You ready for these power rankings? Now, listen, your Guardians do sit a game back as of today. Yeah. You're right there. Well, also, I was going to say one thing about that. You got seven games with the White Sox and eight with the Twins in September. This sounds like things you say that um, here's an olive branch D. They're not in the top ten. Oh, they're not. They're yeah, not in the top I, 10. I, yeah, I could, I really I could pick that up. That there is a way for them to be in the final top ten if they take care of their TCB against the White Sox and the the Twins. Yeah, is that the yogurt or? I could be. That's TCBY. Oh, okay. Michael Scott, Michael Scott called it like. Uh, TC, <laughs> I can't believe it's not TC yogurt or something. <laughs> oh, man. We, well, you got the, I can't believe it's not butter, but butter is oh, yogurt oh, place. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Try to keep up, Junior. I don't know. I mean, All right, probably, let's go. All right, we doing, like, drum roll? With, how do you guys do this? The before aforementioned Minnesota Twins. They Always. can't get out of 9th and spot. They just they just don't do anything great. No, they're just an average team. They are. They're above average. Slightly above average. They yeah. got way better at the deadline. They could start they did. Up, but I just don't think their pitching is good enough. They, they did. They did get better. And you know, when you're still rolling Dylan Bundy and guys like and you know guys like that out there, I just I don't know what the ceiling Shots is. Fired, Bundy. I don't I don't know what the ceiling is. I mean, five and five in the last ten. Um, like I said, only a game ahead of the Guardians. Yeah. I mean, it's a race for the first round exit. Is what? There, I mean, it could be. It yeah. Could be. It, it could You're be. gonna play an NL East team, uh, but I I will be honest. I like Bieber and McKenzie way more than I like anybody that the Twins are rolling out there. Yeah, they won't face each other. No, I'm saying to overtake. I, I like their chances like- better than in in a first round. Oh, yeah, me too. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, me too. Right. Um, number nine, uh, they dropped a little bit to Blue Jays. Have not been playing their best season. baseball right I think now. We can say that officially. Yeah, they had a disappointing season. Yeah, I, I under. Perform and a really right, bad trade deadline. I thought a really bad one. Gave up a lot to get Merrifield's a good pickup. We got back He's out there now. Yeah, but they needed a really. He's a, he's a real shot need, in the arm. <laughs> they needed okay, so they have Jordan Romano who had a pretty solid has had, but he's just shaky. Like you needed yeah. to go get a guy out there, David Ben, someone they would move the needle, and they just didn't. And it's weird to me that they didn't. I don't know yeah, what they're doing. I agree with that. Any thoughts there, D? I you know they scare me, and it's kind of they always scare me. And um, nine oh, seems scary. low. Nine seems low with the fright meter. <laughs> what do you say? I'm not the fright meter. Guys, I like it. I like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that. That's why I say it's a six likes. Because when you faced <laughs> them, you just faced them a couple weeks ago. 
you, everyone in the lineup scares you. Yeah. It's just the fact that they're just not putting it together. It's weird. Matt Chapman's still iffy when he had, he had a really good month last month. But I just don't – I don't know. It's like Alejandro Kirk's been a revelation, and yet they still feel like they're worse offensively than they were last year at times. It's right. weird. Yeah. Um, okay, newcomer. Month. You ready? Yeah. Newcomer into the uh, first time all year, Philadelphia Phillies. Number eight. Wow. Yeah. Um, you don't like that one? No. Uh, they are nine or nine, oh, nine and a half games back, but they are tied for the wild card lead. Nine and one in their last ten. Yeah, I don't. Why think, would they not be a top ten? Team? I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying you I said you don't like it. I don't because I don't think they're better than other, the other two teams mentioned. But I think that the just, I'm not, I'm not, dude, <laughs> how many times can you change these fucking rules? Uh, there's no rules. That's fine. I, I mean, they've been playing well, so they deserve to be in it. But what I'm saying is, I just don't get it. I don't get how they're playing well because you know, I look at their team. The bottom of the order is like a black hole. They have a better winning percentage than both the Twins and, and the they Blue Jays. And they're starting at Mundo Sosa. Okay, hold on. I want to go what? back to what your statement was. What's the record? You said, well, they have a 566 winning percentage. What do the Blue Jays have? 556. Okay. And the Blue Jays are 5 and 6 and 4 in their last 10. And the Phillies are 9 and 1. Okay. This is literally the parameters that you See, Caleb, Caleb. You didn't like the parameters That's I was fine. running Then they by. should be there. I just don't think they're very good. I'm sorry. Caleb, there. You have... Well, it's weird. I don't know why they're playing well. What were you going to say, D? Caleb is living rent-free in your head, Mike, because you're now making these top ten to try to please him instead of... Oh, no. really... <laughs> it doesn't work. It is, it's it's really what's going on here. Motherfucker. It's okay, like... I didn't know it's like my 12-year-old Christmas again. I'll be honest, I didn't know they were 9-1 in the last 10, so I'll, I'll be say I was right. Maybe try to keep okay. up with your research for the okay, show. Okay, if I'm trying to admit that I'm wrong, maybe calm the fuck down and accept it. Okay? You're I, like... Mike, you're like a second grader coming home with artwork, and you're you're really excited to show Dad, and he's pointing out that you. This is not worthy of my fridge. Yeah, but okay. Right. You deserve to be there. It just surprised. I didn't know they were playing that well. Okay, well now you know. So I'm taking it. There's a reason this show is called "The More You Knowable." I'm saying I was wrong. So take it as being angry, you weirdo. Well, you didn't say I'm sorry. You just said you were wrong. I'm not at all sorry. Yeah. Well, but I am wrong. Okay. There's a difference. I'm not sorry. Clip that. Swig, clip that. I just, I'm just not. All right, you ready for let's, let's go. Number seven, St. Louis Cardinals. Did you say the Phillies were number seven? Well, I said they were eight. So you were wrong. They were eight. You said seven. Phillies were eight. I, they were. He said, he said eight. They were, but you said he said, said Cardinals newcomer Cardinals. at number eight. Do what, D? He said newcomer at, newcomer at number eight. Thank you. This man, now he's trying to gaslight me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I like it, obviously. Cardinals. Oh, I'm glad that I got your uh, fucking uh, approval. Yeah. Fine. Would you want me to leave? Do you want to just do this with D? Maybe. Okay, fine. He won't gaslight me like you do. Yes, he will. He just won't know what's happening. But, um, yeah. Cardinals playing great baseball, obviously. Um, Nine and one in the last ten. Yep. Back in it. They have a better record than the Phillies. Um, team that's dropped a little do bit. they have a better record than the Phillies? By one game? I one think. game. Okay. Yeah. Um, team that's dropped on our rankings are the Braves. Dropped them down to number six. Really bad weekend. Bad weekend. They just the lost the division. I'm saying it today. Like, they don't have a chance. Bad weekend. They lost it. They had their chance and they blew it. Weird. Really weird. I don't Wait, know what they're doing. Hang on now. This, you know, you witnessed firsthand a team that was out of it last year and went on a 17 game run. That's fair. Yeah, but the thing, they've been hanging around with the Mets. Also, I was saying, we're coming for them. And then you have a five-game set, and you just get absolutely Yeah, rushed. but it's also early August. We You get talked about how Atlanta's baseball mecca, and everyone's crawling over themselves to get there to play. It's I just still, don't see any I, I agree. I, I don't think uh, – here, uh, I will not say that. How many games back are they at? They are now six and a half games back in the in the. That's East. hard to make up, man. 
Yeah. Because that they could go on a great run, but the Mets aren't going to go on a bad run. Like they have DeGrammy Scherzer starting two out of the right. five games. Yeah. So how are they going to make that up? Yeah, I, I was disappointed in their performance, and I'm sure they are. Now, I do believe they play the Mets like 12 more times. Okay, then they have a chance. So they I do have, have a chance, right. They're going to have to um, go yeah. eight and four. And then when least. you look, I'm good, but you're also, they probably have the Phillies 12 more times, who are playing very good baseball. And talk about a team that was re-energized or energized. Remember, we had this reinvigorated, invigorated, invigorated. They were one of those three with the trade deadline moves that they made also. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that I think that East is going to be really interesting. I think the, I think you're getting I think two, the Mets are going to win. I think you're getting two wildcard teams I, out of the East. I do, Okay. I don't think the Brewers are right. the playoffs. Um, now, top five. You ready? Padres, number five. Yeah. Not a great series against the Dodgers. Really bad but, series. But, it's you know, point. again, with so, you had Soto, that pitching. Uh, the, I still think the Padres are as dangerous as any team can actually they're on the fright factor. <laughs> so also, is it the fright factor or fright meter? Uh, yeah. Well, it's work in progress. Okay. All right. So are All they right. playing on Sunday night baseball right now? Yeah. They're oh, the the winning. I think four nothing. Yeah, it's disappointing. But once again, they don't have Tatis yet. This isn't. They're gonna lose. Okay. So, but um, yeah, they're 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 pitching is so. The good. team who was number one for weeks and you dropped them last week has now dropped one more to number four, and that's the Yankees. Yep. Because we just sent their happy asses back to uh, the Bronx. Bronx. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I don't like their lineup. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not that it's imposing. It is when they especially have, about Stan and Rizzo. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But even with this, I just I knew they were. I know they've had that great first half. It was, uh, you know, historic. Yeah, basically historic. But I, I don't. I just didn't see it on par with some of the Dodgers Astros. I just don't think it is. I agree. I don't. Know, maybe they'll and they'll win the World Series and they'll hit everyone out of the stadium. And that's possible. I just, I just don't see them as that imposing lineup. lineup. I don't know. They're the middle, middle of four are really good. But besides that, it's kind of like, I can't ask like that. He has zero runs. Like, why is that? that? How do you have zero runs? All right, number three. Uh, uh, your you're number one last three. week. Where's the, that last time where the assets I dropped on number three? They're just playing great baseball. And there's not, like, the five and five in the last ten. I think I do, too. That's what I was getting ready to say. There's not, I mean, there are 11 games on the Mariners. Right, I mean. Their, their thing right now is get everybody healthy. Yeah, it's, well, they just they couldn't handle Cleveland. Do what? They couldn't handle Cleveland is what happened. Agreed. Yeah, because yeah. what Cleveland take two or three from them? Uh, I think it was. Uh, split, right? split. I think they split. Yeah, they split a four game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a good. That's a good one for them. Yeah. Um, number two are the Mets. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then number one the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. That's, 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 that's pretty accurate to what I would think I would have as well. Uh, that is such a good Mets incredibly dangerous. I asked you this on trade deadline. More important, the Soto trade or getting the ground back. I mean, the ground was nails. I also think the Mets, what they, what they did to me in the trade deadline was incredibly disappointing. Because I thought they needed another bat, and they didn't do it. But, I mean, they rallied around it, and it didn't really matter, it seems. Yep. Yep. Okay, so are you guys saying then that you're pretty much expecting Dodgers, Mets, NLCS, and Yankees, Astros, ALCS? No. Play all different. Okay. Now, now, would I say that I wouldn't be shocked if that's what it was? No. I would say that those are the favorites to make it that far, for sure. But in the playoffs, you don't know who's going to be hot. You don't know what's going to happen. So I don't I don't, I don't predict that even when it gets to the playoffs. You just don't know how it's going to go. I thought the Braves were at first on exit last year. Yeah. And they can, you, can you imagine being a Dodger fan? A real one, not one of those fake ones. And um, awesome. well, I mean, and you you play the Mets in the NLCS, and then somehow you get the Yankees in the World Series, and you're doing Yankees or New York for like you know three and a half weeks. 
thought I thought the Dodgers this year were gonna, and this is gonna sound crazy because I do agree that they're the number one team right now. That they were gonna be the most imposing team maybe we've seen in I don't know twenty years. I don't, I don't think they are. I, I, mean, I think they're going to have a really good shot to win it all because they're probably the best team in baseball. Who? The Dodgers. But they're not head and shoulders above everyone else like they were before. There are three teams in the National League with two. Potters and Mets, I think can really get their end grades. So three. They can really get them run for money. And I don't think they're far behind them at all. My yeah. No, it, it, I think there's a handful of teams for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I, I just don't see the Yankees go to the World Series. I don't think they have a pitch I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see. We'll see if Severino comes back. He's healthy. That's a game changer. Because Severino is a dog. Yep. Uh, all right, Steve. We, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I thought it was really important to have you on because you and I have talked quite a bit um, just about the stuff that's going on with Sean Watson. And I just think that from a Cleveland person who's tuned in, not just a fan, but you're somebody who obviously has written for, for, for people, for, for you know the teams in the area. You're tuned in. You have an idea of exactly what's happening. Uh, I'm just kind of intrigued to get your take. First off, is there any way that there was a coincidence that there was the Messiah Convention in Cleveland? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that one. Um, yeah, I I would say yes. It's a coincidence. Okay. Um, just, just, I, I'm just intrigued to get your thoughts because let me let me lay mine out first, and then we'll get yours. Then we're going to get out of here because, I don't, like I said, I don't really want to give this guy enough time right now because I don't know what's going to. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. I was shocked that Goodell. Uh, we're getting a little feedback here. Sorry. That Goodell did uh, points the lady to make the decision. She makes the decision. Well, hang on. Decision. Let Let's amend that statement for a second. Because it's not, he didn't appoint her. Um, the new CBA called for the NFLPA and the NFL to both agree on an independent judge for these matters. So that's where she came in. So this wasn't a Goodell appointment. It had to be agreed on by both parties. Got gotcha. it. Yeah. And um, go ahead. I just want no, to no, make. No, no. I, I'm, I'm just intrigued to get your info, info here. here. Um, as far as all this goes, because it's just, there's, there's so many layers to it. I don't, like I said, I don't want to spend a ton of time. I know. And that it's hard not to like, um, it's interesting. It, it's, it's, I don't know. If, is it ironic? I don't know if it is ironic. I mean, cause the, the lady that was, was called in as a federal, former federal judge, right? So she's no longer a federal judge. Sue Robinson yeah. is her name. Um, and that's who both parties agreed on with the new CBA. And, you know, the NFLPA was adamant about not letting Goodell be the judge, jury, and executioner anymore with when it came to suspensions. And I believe the Ezekiel Elliott case was like the last straw for the NFLPA. But what doesn't make any sense to a lot of people is that in the new CBA that the NFLPA agreed on, the Players Association says that this third-party judge makes the ruling and then the NFL can appeal the ruling and if the NFL appeals her ruling, it goes to Goodell. Correct. That that one is the mind blowing. You talk about a players union letting the players down. I mean, how do you how do you how are you so upset about Goodell having all the power where you then amend the process to agree to this? It's a very good question. I don't understand that. So that that one's sorry. 
No, I, go ahead, because I don't really know what else to say. I don't, I don't, know, have, I don't, I don't know, know if I have an opinion too strong on this entire thing. It's, it's weird. It's been weird. It, I think we're all learning about this sexual assault almost epidemic with famous people over the world, across like, every line of entertainment, all sorts, everything. And how to deal with it, and what, what to believe, and what uh, the punishments, the correct ones are. You know, we saw the battle, the battle stuff for two years. I do, and my, my belief is that he definitely did something wrong. And what he did, at the very least, was an abuse of his power as a celebrity to try and do things that took advantage of multiple women throughout however many years he was doing this. So whatever punishment he gets... If it's over six games, I'm 100% okay with because I think it's probably warranted at the very least that's a precedent. But I, don't, I just don't know if I can speak on everything. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I know that all, everything that's come out seems really bad for him. Um, just all the details, everything that's been confirmed, getting uh, hotel rooms from the Titans, the Texans. It's just it's very strange. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Do this with Bauer. I just think that apparently there's something that was clearly, at the very least, morally wrong. If it's not criminally, it can't get charged for it. So that's where I stand. Yeah, I would actually argue that the things that have come out that have been confirmed are actually better for him. Um, I'm talking more of the Texans getting, getting him a hotel room. Yeah. meeting hundreds of different massage therapists. And right. Seemingly, like, if you had, like, you would think any normal person, uh, athlete, Get to say has would not be trading massage therapists like they're you know a different piece stick of gum like that's not normal it sounds very bad to the point to where i'm not saying i don't know about suspension that may go in his favor that it could i'm talking more on the the thing for me he definitely was in the wrong multiple times in the situation whether or not it's a criminal charge you can bring up against him because there's no proof or not it definitely seems morally very wrong and not okay to do what he was doing Sure, morally. Uh, the, the thing, though, is is that you've had now 48 people, two grand juries say there's nothing here to even go to trial. Not, not even judging if he's guilty. Just yeah. simply given the task of, is there enough evidence to go to trial? And 48 people said no. And then you have a former federal judge, right? Former federal judge appointed by the President of the United States and confirmed by the Senate then say that the NFL in their hearing that she held failed to show that there was any forcible assault. So now you have two grand juries and a federal judge saying that there's, you know, morally, like if you, obviously morally, yes, this is, you know, terrible morally. But as far as the criminal, I, I don't know. That's why I think like What's going on in the, in the court and in front of this judge, I think, is actually better for Deshaun Watson because the people that are hearing all the evidence are coming back saying, there's nothing even that we can really do with this. Right, right. Yeah. And you I, had, I you had 20, and, and including this, you had, like, they had 24 people, 24 women accused him of this. The NFL, I think, uh, interviewed 11 women. And from the 11 women they interviewed, they only felt comfortable taking five to Sue Robinson, only five. So that means of the 11 they interviewed, the NFL, who's trying to nail Watson for everything, said, we can't do anything with these six women because it's just not good enough. So they go to Robinson with five, and then she throws out one in the hearing. And she only allowed them to talk about four because 
one of the ones that she threw out said that the only thing the NFL had was newspaper articles as their evidence. Yeah. So now this 24 is down to like basically four that the prosecution is like feeling confident about. Yeah, it's also it's, a very hard situation. And I'm not saying that four is like, you know, let's throw a parade for the guy because it's only four. No, but, also it's important to notice that, yeah, that may be the case, but it's also incredibly hard to prove this. At yes. All. There's no cameras, there's nothing. Right. Could all 24 of them have had this? What they accused oh, he, listen, here's the thing. He, he's going to massage parlors looking for action. Not trying to be too crude here. He's definitely, there's no question he's doing that. He's going there looking for, you know, the, the happy ending, right? And not even that, he's getting them to come to his place. Right. Which is just, like, predatory, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And I he also know. got, he also got some of them to repeat. Yeah, and I don't really care too Repeat business that. after they said the first one made them uncomfortable. He got it again from them. Yeah, I don't, I don't care if it's forcible or not. That's gross. <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's not. Right. I think at the very least, even <clears throat> if it wasn't forcible, sexual assault, and, and, you know, the other stuff of that nature. Um, not to get too far into that rabbit hole, because I know it can be triggering for people. But um, at the very least, what he did was, in my opinion, just, it's horrible to do that to people, to put them in a situation where, where they, they feel like they can't they have to do something they don't want to yep. do. That's what he was doing. Exactly right. And that's why Robinson gave him the six games, because of that reason. In the end, before we get out of here, what do you think? What do you think ends up happening after the appeal? What I think is that okay. When Robinson made her decision, I know that you're trying to look for a quick answer, and unfortunately, I don't really have one. No, 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 no. You're fine. Like I was just kind of wondering if you thought if you had an idea. Do you think it stays at six games? Do you think they go to twelve? Do you think well, it's ten? I would. Uh, everything we hear publicly at this point is all trying to get leverage, you know, just right. like, in, you know, just like in football, it's all about leverage uh, to be successful in the field. So what really, when this Watson deal went down, I'm not going to, you know, pretend that the NFL, let's be honest, they don't really have a great track record of doing the moral correct thing. Okay. See big Ben. Right. So the biggest thing to me, what they were all, if you remember from the very t first thing when Watson signed this contract, what they were all incredibly pissed about was the guaranteed money. That was the one that made some of the, so many of these owners angry because what the Browns gave Watson completely changed the landscape of how NFL contracts are done. And there were you know, the Ravens owner, owner uh, Bashadi was there was rumors that he was now going to lose Lamar Jackson because he's not as rich as some of these other NFL owners where you have to put, when you offered someone a guaranteed deal, you have to put that entire amount into escrow. And Correct. you can't do that if you don't have the funds to back up what you're doing. And so a lot of these owners thought that what Jimmy Haslam and the Browns did was change the fairness uh, financially, the entire league, because this was so above and beyond what anyone had seen before. And then, we saw Kyler Murray get the same type of deal a couple months later. So now yeah. we're thinking that this is how the franchise players are going to be paid, and they're pissed off that the Browns did it and started this, you know, down this path. I think he's going to get eight. Well, they're going to want to give him more than what he got because they're making this big stink about it. And I think they're going to just go up to eight and try and appease people. Well, I'm, I'm of the belief, and it's very, very low opinion. Like, uh, not many people agree with this. But when Sue Robinson gave the, the, her decision, it was six games and no fine. That, that's the key part to me, no fine. And I think she left the door open for the NFL to appeal. I don't think they're after games. 
They got paid money. They were after a ton of cash because they didn't they didn't get any from her decision. And I believe that you know if Goodell appeals the decision, it's not him. He works for the owners. The owners are telling Goodell to appeal because they want this money back uh, out of Watson's guaranteed deal because they didn't like the way the financial structure is going to change the league. So I would not be surprised that they settle this uh, next week, that you're not even going to hear the decision from this new guy from Jersey, the former, I don't know if he's former or current AG in Jersey, New Jersey, that Goodell handpicked to hear the appeal. My guess is it never even we, – we don't hear from him at all and that we hear early next week that the league and Deshaun Watson or the NFLPA has agreed to keep it six games and you're going to see like some $30, $40 million fine. All right. Well, you, that, I really uh, – that's, that's what I was so – just I was so intrigued. I, I hate to use the word intrigued, but like I, I am sort of to see where the NFL goes with this. Um, and, and it's always good to get a, a Browns – perspective and to get all of that because like as a fan i mean that like it has to be wild you guys get a superstar quarterback and then all this shit's going on yeah and i mean well there's there's a whole lot more to it but it's right. not Absolutely. really so much and you know need to dig into too deep now let me ask you final question what if baker goes to carolina and they win the, the super bowl the panthers win the super bowl baker <laughs> i'm kidding what, oh. what if carolina makes the playoffs well, they very easily could. They have a good roster. They have a really good roster, and they were getting below average quarterback play. Baker's not a bad quarterback either. But he's not bad. Is he? We're going to find now? out this year, I think. I yeah. think we'll find out. Well, I don't know because even if he's bad this year, right. there could be. Reasons. I think we'll find out. So because of Chris McCaffrey. Yeah, I agree. Well, dude, hey, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I it it's a pleasure. It's a joy. I wish I could be on all the time. And um, anytime I get a text message. I know there's a couple times where the timing didn't work out, and it's always extremely disappointing. I cannot tell you how much fun this is and how much fun it is listening to you guys. I tell you that all the time, but it is truly, truly sincere. And uh, I just always look forward to that Twitter feed, waiting to hear a new podcast is coming out. Well, we really greatly appreciate that for sure. But it was awesome to have you on. I know those meddling kids, man, they get in the way. They do. It's a, it's a bad Scooby-Doo episode over here all the time. Again, it was awesome to have you on. Uh, we'll obviously do this more often, but thank you so much for coming on. Uh, anything you need to add last, Caleb, before we get out of here? No, I'm good. I, I uh, thank you. Once again, Caleb bringing the heat. I have one I, I have one prediction for this um, Rocky series. I think Nolan's going to have a massive series in Colorado. He was not good last time we went there, um, and he's on fire right now. I think he's going to have a massive series in All right. Colorado. Uh, we go to off tomorrow, three games in Colorado, home for three with Milwaukee. That's huge. Midweek. Uh, the weather, guys, looks beautiful, so when they come home, go support them. I'm predicting five in the month. All right. Uh, as always, once again, we can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, The More You Noble Sports Podcast. We'd love to have you join us and interact with every, everybody. That's always a good time. Obviously, at Caleb Noble 08 at The More You Noble Sports Podcast. No, at The More You Noble. That's it. Uh, then also go find D at the D, D Pagel. Uh, sort of like a, oh, the good old Ohio State there. But go find him because also a lot of good tidbits. And with the NFL coming up, I'm telling you, nobody's tuned into the Browns more than he is. And that's why I'm so glad we could have him come on. As well as the Guardian, all things Cleveland, uh, Cavs, everything else, Ohio State. Oh, man, Big Ten. We'll have to talk about that in the, at some point. But, yeah, it was awesome to have him on. Cardinals are absolutely rolling. Paulie D. Revenge Tour is in full effect. Tyler O'Neill's back. We got the number two ranked fire starter of all time. 
Uh, I feel like a big week coming up for the Cardinals. So, again, thank you guys so much. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate that. Everybody, stay safe out there. Take care of each other. Enjoy the weather. We will talk to you soon. Cheers. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know.